0: In today's day and age, it's it's amazing across traditional and Gen AI of what problems we can solve. We can probably solve most of the world's problems already today, uh, in some you know fit or fashion. It's just how can we do that? How long is it going to train the model? How much you know fine tuning do we need to do? Um, but that's where that's really what has everybody super excited.
1: Nobody likes anything that's cookie cutter and generic, which makes sense, right? It, it doesn't fully apply to me. And so one of the real powers here is to give people what they they really care about in in a safe and, and scalable, responsible way,
2: which is a personalized experience like a concierge. In the world of technology, heroes are everywhere. They're overcoming disruption, delivering sustainable outcomes, and fearlessly forging the future to solve what's next. Join me, Ed McNamara, as we meet the people and businesses driving change in our constantly disruptive world. This is Innovation Heroes, a podcast brought to you by SHI. This episode is brought to you by Dell Generative AI Solutions. Produce higher quality results and faster time to value with a powerful full stack solution from Dell Technologies and NVIDIA. Visit Dell.com slash AI to get started. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Innovation Heroes. I'm your host, Ed McNamara, and this week we're diving back into the world of generative AI. I know, big surprise, right? But trust me, you're gonna wanna stick around for this one. As the buzz around Gen AI continues to grow, so do the misconceptions, the risks, the potential pitfalls. But don't let that scare you away as long as you know where to start, how to start, how to protect yourself from Gen AI, how to protect Gen AI from you, and why Gen AI is a game changer. And that's exactly what we're gonna help you figure out today. I'm thrilled to be joined by two guests who are experts in this field. We have John Byron Hanby IV, the founder and CEO of Eternal Technologies. At Eternal, John's built an incredible platform helping businesses automate and scale multimedia content creation. He's been doing this long before you ever heard about ChatGPT. John's also a former filmmaker with 65 international awards to his name. Our second guest is Alan Klingerman, field CTO for PowerEdge at Dell. With nearly three decades of experience in enterprise architecture and IT professional sales, Alan is the guy you go to when you want to build powerful, cutting-edge solutions on Dell. He hasn't stopped talking about Gen.AI for the last few months, and now is no time to make an exception. John, Alan, welcome to the show. Great to be here, thanks for having me. And th- th- thanks for being here. So Alan, let's start with you on this one. There's a lot of buzz around Gen AI, uh, but I wanna ask about the flip side of all the hype, you know, the misconceptions, you know, nothing like starting out negative, right? <laughs> I'm coming to you from New York City, so we're gonna start negative on this one. Um, what are some of the things your customers are getting wrong about Gen AI? There's a lot. Uh,
0: I I think, number one, I I love what you said kind of in the, the prelude there, talking a little bit about like even science fiction, right? Going back to everybody's scared of A.I. Number one, don't be scared of A.I. We're a long way away from having some of those uh, dystopian futures come towards us. And I tend to be more of a uh, you know, technical optimist, just like our, our founder and CEO, Michael Dell. I'm sure some of you have probably seen some of his posts out there talking about Gen AI and the excitement we have at Dell Technologies internally around it, really over the last uh, seven years. And then we've continued to mature our evolution going from traditional to generative AI. And I think a lot of, a lot of customers think this is something new. We, I've been working on AI for over 30 years, uh, not just here at Dell, but in my time at IBM. Uh, you know, this is not something new. What's really changed and transpired is the amount of processing power we have uh, to make things emulate the human brain, right, and be more intelligent and act more human-like. Uh, what I would say is, and and I'll kind of quote this one because I know a lot of uh, you know our listeners might have followed him too. Uh, Jensen, right, the CEO over at NVIDIA, said we're at the iPhone moment, uh, you know, right now for artificial intelligence. I'll actually step that one back a little bit. I'll say we are I feel more like we're at the Internet moment. A lot of us remember that, right, the .com when it was the Internet was brand new uh, and it was a, a hot trend and everybody was sitting at that Mozilla browser. They saw the opportunity, but they're trying to figure out what to do. So it's kind of like a a freeze moment, right? Every executive is like, hey, I want in on this. I've done and used ChatGPT, but I don't know how to get started. And, And really understanding the difference of different types of technologies, both traditional and generative AI to solve different business problems And then reeling it back a little bit, what you kind of said earlier of like understanding like the importance of, you know, the organization's data maturity and classification path is where most customers stumble, right? So a lot of times like, hey, you want to achieve that cognitive AI outcome, uh, you know, to predict some things for the future. I need to reel you back a little bit into what I would call the big challenges that's been in in the world for quite some time around the four Vs of big data, right? Lots of volume, which is what's required, right? For artificial intelligence, a huge amount, a vast amount of data. Uh, Velocity, right? More of it streaming at us faster than ever, especially with some of the edge-based use cases, whether it's cameras with computer vision or IOT devices and manufacturing, retail, healthcare, et cetera. Uh, Veracity, I get all this data, but is it any any good? And then ultimately the different variety, right? Of structured and unstructured data sets. Uh, but those are the challenges wrapped around it, right, to get to that operational or organizational maturity. But it's really, to me, the, I'll kind of wrap up with my my opening statement here. It's about the fifth V. It's what, what value do I get out of it? There's the four challenges I have around it. But ultimately, all the organization was trying to do is how do I extract? It's like mining for gold. How do I extract value out of all that data that I'm storing?
2: I like the opening statement. You're not on trial, uh, but but John, while while I go look up uh, veracity, you know what 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 are your thoughts on that? Well,
1: I, I think that you know I I think Alan read my mind a little bit there because uh, <laughs> I believe that there's a huge opportunity here for generative AI and really accelerating business outcomes in a totally new way. Uh, but as he articulated, there are some steps that need to come before you get to that major business goal right it's about getting your data house in order right we're talking about ai factories jeff clark at dell tech world announced with jensen uh these this cool new technology and how this is really going to become a factory for ai within the enterprise but the the source of that factory it's not you know hard components it's it's ai and data and so it's all about getting that data house in order as well as understanding and then transforming the business processes that an organization has in place today so that they they can maximize their value and their ability to achieve value from whatever AI implementations uh, that they may want to introduce, right? Because if your business is not functionally set up to be able to easily integrate these new efficiencies, then you're not going to be able to realize that value. So there's a huge opportunity here leading into this AI wave I think it's going to be very important for our enterprise leaders as well as the individual contributors that make it all happen to really understand and appreciate that there are a couple of steps along that AI transformation journey. You know, as you mentioned, Ed, my background was in corporate film production before I started this business. And one of the big focuses there is, you know, this concept of pre-production, which is all about preparing and identifying all of the key components that need to go into a, uh, a production process, in this case, making a film or a TV show, and getting everything figured out logistically first. Right On a good shoot, pre-production sometimes takes two, three, four times as long as the actual filming process of producing a major motion picture. You know, uh, the average film is produced in like 40 to 50 days. So, you know, it's incredibly fast, but there's so much work that goes into it in advance to make everything seamless. And the same thing is true with an AI transformation. So, you know, to, to kind of round it out here, the idea is spend a lot more time than you probably want to on that initial preparation, the understanding of the business processes, the strategy of okay, what does it mean when we actually deploy this? What's the adoption plan associated with that transformation? Who are the key stakeholders that need to be involved? Because in an AI transformation, it's not just IT, right? You've got a cohort of individuals, whether it's marketing, sales, communications, business development, finance, operations. Now there's something called an AI transformation office. that's starting to pop up, right? All of these teams connect with IT at that center of the hub to really implement one of these transformations. And so being able to understand that and and know how to engage those key stakeholders and also align everybody's business priorities, because oftentimes they're not fully aligned, right? One person wants to build one product, another person wants to build another product. So how do we bring those all together into a unified vision where somebody can say, This is what's gonna be best for the business and deliver a material, tangible outcome with proven ROI as quickly as possible and work up to some of these large aspirational goals.
2: With generative AI, the business possibilities are endless. From modern product design and content creation to amazing new experiences in hyper-personalized retail, there's no limit to what your business can achieve. And today, Dell and NVIDIA are putting the power of Gen AI in your hands. They're helping accelerate business outcomes, scale AI with consistency, and make secure, trusted decisions. With Dell Validated Designs for Gen AI with NVIDIA, you won't just bring your ideas to life. You'll adopt AI with more speed and confidence. Visit Dell.com slash AI today. Piggybacking off something that Alan said, um, Alan, you said you've been been, you know, dealing with AI or, or working in AI for 30 years, you know, um, put the question to you, I guess start to come back to you and start with you um, with, with that 30 years. Um, why now? Why is it getting so much attention now? Um, it, are we just out of, um, you know, John mentioned marketing and some other departments, are we out of marketing buzzwords in IT and it was, it was AI's turn or is there really something there that, 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 that now is the real opportunity?
0: No, I, I think it, I'm going to go back to what I said of like a perfect timing of lots of different technologies coming together uh, at one, you know, at one point in time and a set of practical data science disciplines to make that all function. Uh, right. So we think about it in see like the modern building blocks of this and CPUs and now graphical processing units, you know, being able to do things, you know, and, and highly parallel processes, which is makes things happen much faster than we could ever do before. So if I'm, for example, training a model, right, and I'm just trying to do, here's an easy one that all the listeners will, no matter what their their knowledge is on AI. If I'm trying to train a, even a human, right, maybe it's a an infant, and I'm trying to train a difference between a cat and a dog. Well, what am I going to do? I'm going to, you know, I might train it based on a series of images and then identify it a cat and a dog, and then I'm going to advance it and give it some classifications of a difference between a a, ch- a Siamese cat and a and a normal hair cat. Uh, so think about those type of, of you know technologies that came together at one time combined with uh, you know the ability to process and correlate all that data. So it requires vast amount of data. In fact, if there's one thing I'd say that's why John and I both spent a lot of time on that data journey for for this space is I have to if I'm going to build something in an LLM that's meaningful to the business, it has to be very, you know, arcane and domain domain to the business what are they trying to accomplish so like some of the questions i'll ask if a customer comes to me is like what are they trying to accomplish for what business purpose back to the stakeholders that john called out like it's typically a business unit right that's trying to solve some problem whether it's i'm trying to forecast my sales for the coming quarter whether I'm actually trying to, I've got a quality problem on a manufacturing floor and I'm trying to use computer vision to do anomaly detection. Like all of that requires this massive, you know, amount of compute to happen and and correlate that training data. All of that's happening at one time and then being able to use that to not just, you know, understand the correlation between these billions of data points are now moving to trillions of data points in a large language model. Think about it in the context of being able to do something with it. And this seemed to be the aha moment and why I would say Jensen called it the iPhone moment. I kind of walk it back a little and I'll tell you why here in a second. But like in that iPhone moment, it was like, hey, I can go into and ask it a question and I can generate. Right. It's in the name generative AI. I can generate content. That's the difference. Right. I move from traditional AI understanding, correlating and, and acting for an action to occur but now with generative AI, I'm going to generate video or text. I'm getting a response and it's acting like a human. Now suddenly everybody, even people that weren't in data science, understood it. So now everybody understands why, you know, the power that this could bring from an automation perspective to bring productivity, you know, revenue and, and uh, potential cost savings to the business.
2: Maybe now's a good time to bring it back to John because you mentioned about how it's kind of out of IT, or at least not completely, but it but it's very much available to everyone else. John, your your filmmaking background is really interesting to me here. Like, what do you think your comfort level is with new technology? Like, do you think filmmaking really like kind of forced you like over the course of your career to like be ahead of everything? Because it just feels like traditionally starting starting with Star Wars on. Maybe maybe even you have to go to two thousand one Space Odyssey on like filmmaking has been ahead of everybody else somehow if that makes sense like what what do you think?
1: Well, I think there's a lot of power in stories, and you know one of one of my defining moments growing up, I was like five years old, I think, and I, I watched the Terminator with my dad, yeah. <laughs> and it was it was an it was a magical experience. It was it was scary as hell because I thought it was all real, but you know that that stuck with me, and it was such a visceral exciting feeling that, you know, it really inspired me to kind of go down this journey. And, you know, today it, it's kind of funny that, you know, I'm in the space of, of building AI, but it's responsible, safe, secure, and scalable AI that keep humans in the loop. And I think that that's one of the things that going forward is is so important and, and, and very unique. You know, I'm a, I'm a proud supporter of humans. So, you know, anything that we can do to keep the, the perspective and wisdom that we have involved in that process and also recognize our, our shortcomings and downfalls is, is, is a great opportunity to really accelerate this transformation. And, you know, from a, a storytelling standpoint, I think that one of the cool things about generative AI is that it has so many different use cases and so many different applications like what Alan was talking about before. And you know, with this in mind, there, there's a huge opportunity across many different stakeholders uh, to really uh, enact AI transformation in new and unique ways, right? It can be anything from, as he mentioned, financial forecasting down to creating uh, advertisements with the click of a button, You know, some of the stuff that, that we do. And, and being able to hyper-personalize those customer experiences down to the individual person because you know what we found is that nobody likes anything that's cookie cutter and generic, which makes sense, right? It, it doesn't fully apply to me.
2: Feeling overwhelmed by all the buzz? Think gen AI might be a game changer, but don't know where to start? SHI has you covered. We're rolling out a new series of executive briefings and workshops focused on generative AI. These aren't just any briefings. They're your roadmap to innovation designed by technology experts you can trust. These five new offerings dive deep, exploring what AI runs in, what it runs on, and what it's used for. From establishing your own Gen AI program from the ground up to high-level overviews of Gen AI in cybersecurity and the Microsoft ecosystem, there's a briefing custom-built for your needs. So what's your next move? Contact your SHI Account Executive today or head to shi.com to request your briefing. Your journey into generative AI begins now. I love the fir- the full circle nature of it. You know, you you said Terminator, and then while you were talking, I'll throw War Games in this category, where it was what can what will technology do to you, and we're now like what what will it do for us? You know, so we're it's it's completely full circle, and uh, you know, I completely uh completely love the, the the Terminator reference there. So, all right, so let's say you have a customer and they say, "I want to build an LLM," you know, what are the first questions you'd you'd have for them? You know, wh- where should they start? And I guess, Alan, we, we could start with you on that one.
0: Uh, I'm going to step back to kind of what I said earlier, because uh, I, I started to go down that path uh, in your last question. Right. Uh, I think it is very important, right? Always my first question, because uh, I always try to be an active listener, right, and understand really what the customer is trying to accomplish. And it's always why. Why do you want to build an LLM? Help me understand for what business purpose, right? Back to that. uh, I think that's what John was kind of talking about earlier of like a, you know, sometimes we'll do it in a workshop fashion, right? To really extract out uh, across the organization what are their biggest business challenges? And then what are the areas that we can apply different sets of, you know, artificial intelligence technologies to? Because I keep saying, well, we're talking about Gen AI here, and you've heard me say it before. It's traditional and Gen AI together, right? Uh, it's different domains of data science to pull together to solve a business problem.
2: John, are you running into organizations that, that aren't ready yet? There are a lot of organizations
1: who have boards and CEOs that say, we need AI immediately, <laughs> and, and for good reason, right? And right. I love what you were, were talking about there, Alan, around the different flavors of AI and how we're in this great. Uh, time period now, where these different flavors can come together to produce a, a really incredible experience that combines the best of all these different functionalities. And you know, from from a business standpoint, with, with my organization, uh, you know, we're seeing this a lot. Being able to combine logic-based AI and data sets with generative AI capabilities to kind of function as a glue. Where you can suddenly go from an automation process that gets you, let's you know, say, fifty to eighty percent of the way there uh, through through traditional logic-based AI, but then it's not scalable because there aren't enough people to write the marketing message or enough people to you know write that sales email. And now suddenly you bring Gen AI on top of that and layer it in, and now you're able to say, okay, we're going to go from a fifty percent or eighty percent automated process to a ninety-nine percent. Automated process because we're able to uh, scale that human capacity, and then the the human in the loop is is really, hey, is is this saying the right thing, right? Is it positioning it to the customer the right way? And it becomes a, a review and check and balance system. So you know, th- there's a lot of excitement there, I think, and you know, with CEOs and boards saying that we need AI immediately, there are a couple of challenges that. Uh, people are either going to uh, run into soon or maybe already have, depending on where you are in that maturity process. The first thing that's a big challenge is AI is expensive, right? If you're going to go and, and, and do something homegrown uh, from scratch, uh, there are uh, a lot of major factors that come into play. The first one is people. And, and there is, unfortunately, at this point in time, because it's so new in terms of the buzz associated with it, even though it goes back to the 1960s, there's a, there's a shortage of AI expertise. And that means that if you want to go out and hire those people, they're going to be very expensive. But it's not just that they're going to be very expensive. I was at a, an event that I was speaking at with Dell and NVIDIA uh, in the civilian public sector space, and uh, their VP of solutions architecture for public sector was talking about how the competition for recruiting people is largely defined based on how big your GPU is. Like that. that's that's the, the defining factor is how much compute can you give to me so that I can do my thing so that I can realize my full potential. And if you don't have that GPU infrastructure, it's going to be very hard for you to attract the talent because they're going to go somewhere where they can pursue their dreams of unlimited compute research. And so the shortage of talent is driving up costs. The other thing to keep in mind is that, you know, you can't snap your fingers unless you do a buy option, which we can talk about in a minute. But you can't snap your fingers and go from day zero of a implementation or development of an AI solution to something that's working in relatively short order. Right? This is something that will take time, uh, regardless of, of how big your team is. And sometimes bigger teams have even you know, more challenging. And so you know, we're talking about 6, 12, 18 months, depending on what your project is, to get something off the ground. And that's a real challenge for most organizations, primarily because of the opportunity cost. Right, what could you be doing with those resources allocated different ways in, instead of building something from scratch? Right. So this is a challenge and a discussion that these uh, CFOs and CEOs are going to be having with their CIOs, and you got to find a
2: balance between the two. And John, I think you tied together a couple of things that, that you, from what you mentioned earlier, about you know finding that good story because you said CEOs and boards are saying we need AI, but they're also the ones that are like, well, don't spend anything to to get it. You know, and then the, the next thought is, well, it, it can be expensive. But maybe Alan, I'll put some pressure on you. Um, you know, re- representing Dell here, I, I know there's a lot of leaders who are thinking that there's hardware costs are going to be a major, major blocker. You know, they do need the latest GPUs and top tier hardware just to get started. You know, is that true? And can a biz get into Gen AI with, without breaking the bank?
0: Yeah, no, it's a, a great point. And, and yeah, I'm going to go back to exactly what John and I've been talking about so far in this this entire discussion is back to architecture matters right and understanding the business problem we're trying to solve and applying the right set of data science traditional or generative ai is is the right approach right because then we can tailor fit the right architecture because I think, uh, you know, it was called out there of the XC9680. I'll give a little advertisement, right? Our uh, eight-way SXM-based system for those that might be in IT joining us that's listening. Uh, You know, incredible platform. First time we've had anything uh, in an eight-way NVIDIA-based system out to market that really is optimized for large language models. But I feel, to to John's point earlier, a lot of people, uh, I have to walk them backwards because they feel like it's the easy button like i just buy that and it solves my problem and it doesn't at all <laughs> it might be for those top tier deep learning environments but most customers don't need that like let's step backwards in the journey understand what those business problems are and then we have a whole set of uh you know gpu optimized platforms and power edge to shift them in fact we have the industry's most nvidia certified systems uh, within our platform to really you know purpose build the you know, the right platform and architecture for that data science project, right, to solve that problem. I would also call out, uh, you know, one of the big things that I think most customers are going to do, even if they do go down the path of, hey, I want to build an LLM. uh, Maybe they have the right purposes and we want to do some domain-specific training. Uh, It's just that they're going to pull what John referred to earlier, probably even if they're going to do it on their own. Um, you know, we have some other ways to help solve that if they don't want to do that, and we'd encourage them not to. But if they want to, at least start with some pre-trained models, right? Uh, and that's where we're leveraging things like uh, Nemo from NVIDIA, right? In our NVIDIA uh, reference architecture. Uh, and then obviously extending that out into open source uh, pre-trained models with uh, the Hugging Face community, right? That NVIDIA started to really embrace now. Uh, and then really just taking that pre-trained model Right? And, and doing some training around your data, back to what we said, understanding the data points, then fine tuning that model. And then really the difference is just the length of time training. If I'm gonna train this large, like think about chat GPT, cause most people know that at this point, uh, right? Uh, what happens? It's trying to be a generalist chat bot, right? And respond to you, right? Create, generating content, responding to what you did. What do we see over time? Uh, let's. You might have seen this come out in the last couple of weeks. Hey, it got w- much worse as they continue to do some domain specific training on their own. Guess what happened? Uh, it got dumber in other areas. <laughs> so even though it had more parameters, uh, they did some domain uh, you know, specific training, which made it less intelligent in the overall aspect. So nobody's ever going to build the, most organizations are not going to build a large language model and continue to grow it like chat GPT, but start to break it up right into sections to really solve those specific problems. That's what we've been doing here uh, at Dell. And then applying the right set of architecture, right, sitting behind it. That's why we have a really good scalable, modular enterprise grade AI uh, you know, set of solutions that we're bringing to market. And by the way, hey, competition is heating up. Uh, which we we all know what that means in the space. Competition is good for everybody, right? Ultimately, at the end of the day, it's great for our customers because really, competition means going to lower down cost and and you know widen availability.
1: Yeah, and I would just add to to what Alan's saying there. The the study that he's referring to that was announced was conducted by Stanford, and and they found that you know depending on what the questions were being asked and what domain it was in. You could have as much as an 80 or 90 percent drop in performance compared to the previous versions of uh, that prompting uh, for something like a chat GPT, which is you know huge. And so you know this reinforces the importance of an enterprise having control over their own AI factory, right? Because as soon as you start to uh, release that control, there are uh, of course data security risks, privacy risks around the the residency of that data, what country of origin the data was uh, from and and where it is moving when you train your AIs, but also things like what happened with this study around the degradation of the model that you're connecting to via an API. All right, so one of the things that we focus on through our, our joint solution with Dell and NVIDIA is making something that you can control, that's secure behind your firewall, that maintains whatever level of quality it is that you're looking for that you certified that works for your specific use case and allowing that to be something that is, uh, you know, static in terms of its trustworthiness, which is an important and good thing. right? You want to be able to trust that whether you're interacting with that model today or three years into the future, unless you change something yourself, it's going to deliver the exact same results that you expect that have been certified and trusted every single time. And so there's a lot of power in, in having that kind of certainty, especially as businesses move closer to um, relying on AI for mission-critical parts uh, of their organization. And, and I'm not talking about like, just replacing talent. right? There are many things from an augmentation standpoint um, or a scalability standpoint that are, that are huge benefits. Uh, to give one example, uh, you know, customs and border protection right now in the United States, we have an influx of people who are crossing the southern border. And one of the biggest challenges is that there are over 150 countries represented in dozens of languages. And no matter what your views on the situation are, it's, it's a humanitarian crisis because it's very difficult for the border patrol agents to be able to communicate in all of these different languages. They simply don't have enough people to to have conversations and say, hey, are you okay? Do you need help? Are you in danger, right? These these critical pre-screening questions. And so being able to scale that kind of capacity by using something like a conversational AI that you could talk to in your language that would understand you and get that initial information into the hands of somebody that can help as quickly as possible without having to rely upon specialized language expertise that they don't have access to, Like That's the real power here. And you can't have this supply chain of knowledge break down because one of your models got
2: changed by something that you can't control, for example. It's a great point. I mean, you used um, the border protection example, but but, you know, uh, eternal technologies has been at the forefront of personalizing content at the individual level, you know, long before anybody heard of chat GPT. Um, aside from like border protection, is, is there another example that you can cite of like how you're seeing this out there in, in the quote unquote real world?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, the, the, the best one, and, and there are a lot of them, but let's just talk about since we're on the Dell theme, right? Dell is a big customer of ours. And before we partnered with Dell to bring this solution to market, they, they were a customer we started working with them over 3 years ago to deliver hyper personalized sales experiences uh, one program in particular it's called the challenger program it's their a flagship unsolicited proposal if if anybody out there is a, a dell customer uh, ask your account executive to give you a challenger proposal you'll be incredibly impressed uh, th- this proposal is something that is completely bespoke and tailored to each individual customer based on their unique needs in strategic objectives. And a couple of years ago, the program started about seven years ago as a fully manual initiative. And we came in about three and a half years ago to automate that program. But one of the biggest challenges is because of the intensive amount of time and writing and care that was put into making sure that every strategic objective and business strategy that Dell was proposing to the customer was written by an account executive and then proofed and polished by an advertising agency. This process took three to six weeks per proposal to turn around, and the costs were enormous. We're talking about like $15,000 just for one single document. And as a result, there was a lot of challenges in scalability. The, the, the business team who started and pioneered the program, they were only able to do about 30 of these documents in a single year, doing it manually. And so we came in about three years ago And through that process, we actually automated end-to-end that same deliverable to the point where you could click a button and generate something of equal or better quality in about six minutes. And it cost one-tenth of the legacy cost. And in the first 24 hours after the system went live, uh, we were able to generate 130 of these proposals at the same quality, same everything, compared to 40 in an entire year so we did more in 24 hours than in three years of previous capacity and it generated
2: hundreds of millions of dollars in in new pipeline and opportunities for dell so alan um i i know that john mentioned the challenger program i'm gonna also uh, throw out Project Helix there, and and ask you, you know, how does Dell's uh, validated design and collaboration with NVIDIA uh, in Project Helix help businesses navigate the Gen I, Gen oh Gen AI landscape more effectively?
0: No, it's a great question. And uh, I'd call this out. I'm going to go back to what I said a little bit earlier about architecture and that architecture matters and that we're shifting to high performance architecture, right? That most customers don't know. We're moving towards more arcane environments that, that IT shops don't know how to support. So we're trying to get to something that's more of a tested, proven, validated architecture that they can, you know, easily replicate and bring those models on-prem and run at scale, right, to drive down. In fact, I love some of the things that that John called out earlier because it's the trends we're seeing, right, from a repatriation perspective on these workloads. And so questions we're being asked, right, by our customers like, hey, I got my AWS bill, um, oh, I have some concerns. Oh, I've seen some things in the news, right? Uh, like, for example, some of you might have seen not to just call out an, any individual company, but just, you know, these are things that, you know, are occurring right now. Like Samsung lost a lot of source code, right? Their intellectual property. That is the number one thing I'm hearing from every customer of like, if I'm going to do domain specific training to make it valuable to my business, and I'm going to tie it To the business processes, right, to really make a change in those areas of, you know, increased revenue or or, uh, increased productivity or decreased cost, I I really need to tie it there, but I got to protect my IP because we all, every employee of a company creates IP. So IP protection is number one.
2: So coming up to the top of the hour, and I'm sure both of you are busy guys are going to have to run somewhere. Um, Alan, I'm going to assume you're going to say, you're going to lead with architecture matters on this next question. So John, (laughs) this one's for you. Here's your chance. You know, let's wrap up with some final thoughts and plugs. Uh, What's the one piece of advice you'd want our listeners to take away? Uh, And and where can they go if they want to help or learn more about uh, what you and your team are doing?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's, it's been fun, and I think that the biggest piece of advice that I'd give is that hyper-personalization increases engagement, click-through rates, and watch time of sales and marketing content significantly. We see, on average, a 13 times increase in those statistics and a lot more based on simply putting the first name of the person at the beginning of a video. Now, our technology, of course, can do a lot more than that, and and our statistics blow out out of the water. But comparatively, having that personalized engagement is so powerful and delivers such a significant result. The other thing that I'd say that's that's very powerful is uh, the ability to uh, deliver this in a safe, secure, and scalable way that has proven results and tangible metrics. And that's what we're doing with Dell and NVIDIA through our turnkey AI offering. And the turnkey AI offering is a package of hardware, software, and services that a customer can buy off the shelf. It's, as Alan said, it's really the closest thing there is to an easy button, uh, you know, delivering that material value in as short of a period of time as possible so that the businesses who buy it can really focus on what they do best. Right? And that technology, turnkey AI, it's actually available in all of the customer solution centers and EBCs globally for Dell. So if you're interested in taking a look, talk to your Dell account teams and and visit one of the customer solution centers. There are about a dozen of them all over the world uh, where you can actually play with the technology live, get hands on with it and start to hyper personalize your own uh, go to market customer experience and and other
2: types of uh, engagement. Awesome. And that'll have to be the last word. Gentlemen, thanks for the great conversation today. You know, the key takeaway from today, while there are plenty of misconceptions about Gen AI, there's a world of opportunity. You know, with the right approach, organizations can find the AI solution that fits their needs and start building success the right way and fast. I want to extend a huge thank you to our guest, John Byron Hanby the Fourth and Alan Klingerman, for sharing their invaluable insights. For those of you looking to dive deeper, be sure to check out Dell's Gen AI solutions at Dell.com/slash AI. Thank you all for tuning in to another episode of Innovation Heroes. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with an all-new hero. This episode is brought to you by Dell Generative AI Solutions produce higher quality results and faster time to value with a powerful full-stack solution from Dell Technologies and NVIDIA. Visit dell.com AI to get started. This episode is also brought to you by SHI's all new Generative AI Briefings. Uncover your roadmap to innovation with a series of briefings and workshops designed by our technology experts. Contact your account executive or visit shi.com to learn more about our all new executive briefings for generative AI.